0: Amen. As we mentioned with the young people during the children's sermon, uh, the light can change the way we perceive things, right? And this isn't even just when we're young and little like the story I told in the children's sermon, but even now, at my age of 43 years, light can really change the way I perceive things. Uh, So, as many of you know, I I like to take part in activities that start out in darkness and end up being light. So, in particular, hunting. And it happens more often than I'd like to admit. That I'll climb up into the tree stand uh, before the sun has come up. And I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden I look down in the woods below me. And I see, oh my goodness, there's a huge old buck with like 10 or 12 points, just this huge rack. Or I'll be out in the turkey blind and and sitting down in the turkey blind before the sun comes up and oh my goodness, look over there, a huge gobbler just waiting for shooting light for me to to take it down. And literally every time that's happened to me, because I don't have very good luck, uh, literally every time that's happened to me, that huge turkey, it's a stump. And that that huge bark with that huge rack, well, that huge rack, it's just the branches on some scrubby trees over there, right? The light actually shows things for what they actually are. And it's no different in our gospel lesson today because the light of Christ, the light of the divine glory shining in him shows him to be the true son of God. And you see, when we encounter Christ, and his claims about himself we really have three options to regard who he is and to regard his claims now some people think there's four but the fourth option really truly isn't an option let's talk about that fourth option first so many people don't believe jesus to be the son of god but they consider him to be a a good teacher a benevolent individual someone that you might want to imitate, but maybe not entirely the Son of God. We have to dismiss that outright when we understand the gravity of the claims that Jesus makes about himself. Because either he is who he claims to be or he isn't. And if he isn't who he claims to be, then he certainly can't be this benevolent individual that we should all try to seek to imitate and that sort of thing. So let's just rule that one out all together. Now, the first option if regarding Jesus and his claims about himself is probably the option the majority of us would default to if we encountered someone out on the streets making the same claims about himself that he claims. So let's say we're out on the streets of Algoma or we're out on the streets of Forestville or Sturgeon Bay and there's someone out there on the street Claiming to be God's son. And not in a metaphorical kind of way. But no, I actually am the son of God. I actually have known of people who believe this about themselves. And the fact of the matter is that if we encounter someone who makes that claim, the vast majority of us are going to say, that person's insane. That person's crazy. That person is a madman. that's the first option, right? With regards to Jesus and his claims about himself, whether he is the son of God or not. To believe that he is a madman. And there were some, even in Jesus' time, who believed that he was more or less mad, more or less consumed by powers which had control over him. The second option is this, is that not a madman, but instead a liar. And certainly there are people who have claimed to be the son of God who themselves didn't actually believe that claim, but took up that claim falsely because it helped to solidify their power, increase their prestige. Whatever the case might be. So, there are many kings throughout history, for example, who claim to be the Son of God. It's actually very, very common throughout history for kings, emperors, rulers to claim some sort of divine status. The vast majority of these men didn't believe that one bit. How do we know they didn't believe that? We can see it. In their actions. Because these men, far from thinking that they were descended from God or gods, were very, very aware of their mortality. You don't have to study ancient history very much to understand that ancient kings, ancient rulers, ancient emperors were scared out of their wits day in and day out. Maybe you've heard about uh, in stories it's actually something we see in the Bible. Royal cup bearers. People would bring the king's cup of wine to them. Why were there royal cup bearers? The most important job of the royal cup bearer was to make sure that the wine was not contaminated with poison. He, he actually, in a way, was sort of like a logistic supervisor to make sure that you know, from the vineyard to the cup That it hadn't been contaminated with poison all the way, but to prove the fact, to prove that he had managed that system so well, he would take a drink of that wine before he'd give it to the king. So that if it was poisoned, he himself would die. Kings, in other words, were scared out of their wits that their opponents would poison them. They knew they weren't gods, they were liars. I do think kings built huge castles and fortresses for themselves and for their families. And kings were almost prisoners of their own power. Once again, it's because they were scared out of their wits. They knew people wanted to kill them. No, kings, they knew they weren't gods They took the title of son of God upon themselves in something of a lie. Now, here's the thing about madmen and the thing about liars. As I said, it totally rules out that fourth option, right? That they are good people that are to be imitated and so on. You don't listen to the word of madmen and take it to heart. You don't listen to the word of liars or seek to imitate their ways. So those are the first two options. Jesus is either a madman or he's a liar. The third option is this, that he actually is who he claims to be, the Son of God. And this vision on the mountain was there for the sake of the disciples and for our sakes as well, that we would be more and more convinced of the truth, of the fact that Jesus is the actual Son of God, Son of God by nature. As we say, God from God, and to use the imagery from our lesson for today, light from light. Very God, a very God. This vision there is for that sake that the disciples and us, by way of their testimony, be conferred further confirmed in this fact. Let's pay attention to this, and also pay attention to the other proofs of the divinity of Christ. We have the testimony, for example. Of the ancient scriptures, Moses and Elijah stood there along with him. These two great figureheads, which represent the Old Testament Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets, they're both testifying to the fact that the greater one has come. They spoke God's word. Jesus Christ, as the very Son of God, is God's Word. And St. Peter himself, who witnessed the transfiguration upon that mount, says that even while it was a great blessing to have seen that majestic sight, still there is something even more sure than that. The words of the prophets of the Old Testament. Those words Jesus Christ fulfilled in his life and his death and his resurrection. And speaking of the resurrection, Jesus as well here calls our attention to that fact. Jesus says to them not to tell anyone the vision until the son of man is raised from the dead. If there is anything which testifies to the truthfulness of the words of Christ, including the truthfulness that He is the Son of God, it is this, the resurrection. For if a man testifies that he will die in three days' rise, and he in fact does so, then certainly all of his words are to to be trusted, including the words that he truly is the Son of God. So brothers and sisters in Christ, let us gladly hold to the truth that He is the Son of God and gladly hold to what it entails. That we should listen to His Word, then we should trust His Word. And if this is the case, if we will listen to His Word and trust His Word, then that light of the Mount of Transfiguration exposes Him for who He truly is, the Son of God. And in turn, it exposes The madness and the lies which seek to alienate us from the true Son of God. Jesus is no madman. But the truth of his word exposes the madness of sin for what it is. If you're anything like me. And you have done something that you know you ought not to have done. Or you have failed to do something that you know you ought to have done. And you look back on that. You think to yourself, my goodness. What was I thinking? It makes no sense. It was foolish. It was downright insane. And here's the thing. In the moment, did it seem good and right and pleasurable? Probably. But just goes to show us what sin does to our minds. Sin clouds our minds. Sin, in essence, makes us insane. Sin doesn't make sense. The Word of Christ exposes the sinful mind for what it is as a mind given over to madness. It therefore exposes the fallenness of our own human nature and also exposes the madness of the world for what it is, this world which is so consumed with sin. The word of Christ, it also exposes lies for what they are. The devil is the father of lies. And the greatest lie that the devil seeks to whisper into our ears is a lie that there's no way we could be God's children. Some struggle comes upon us in our lives. Maybe this is an emotional struggle or a financial struggle or a, a physical struggle of pain or sickness or a relational struggle or a professional struggle, whatever it might be. Uh, the devil creeps up to our ears and he whispers to us. He says, you, you can't be God's child. There's no way God would let one of his children experience what you are experiencing. An outright lie, by the way. That's a a complicated lie. It's a lie which seeks to make us doubt that, that we are children of God, and it's a lie which seeks to make us doubt that Jesus is God's Son by nature. Well, the Word of Christ... The entire scriptures are His Word. Exposes that life for what it is. The prophet Isaiah testifies that the Messiah would be a suffering servant. A man of sorrows. And well acquainted with grief. The Son of God. Because He was the Son of God. Far from spurning suffering, gladly took it upon Himself. He's the Son of God who took the cross upon His shoulders. And so therefore, we as Christians, we too will gladly take up our crosses and follow Him. Our sufferings, these are not evidence that we are far from being children of God. No, but instead, we rejoice in our sufferings. And by these, we look to be conformed to the image of the actual suffering servant, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We suffer indeed, but yet we suffer in hope. And we suffer in confidence. We suffer with the expectation that even as we suffer now, yet we will be repaid an infinite number, an infinite amount on account of our sufferings in this world and the joys and the bliss and the glory and the life of the world to come. Maybe it's not our sufferings, but instead our sins. Which the devil, the father of lies, seeks to use to manipulate us into believing that we cannot be children of God. When we sin, this is what the devil does. He creeps up to us and he whispers into our ears, and you know what he says? There's no way someone like you could be God's child. You're too corrupt. You're too sinful. The things that you have done cannot be forgiven. There is no way you can be righteous enough to be in God's kingdom, to be a member of His household. And once again, this too is a complicated lie. It's a lie which seeks to make us doubt our status as God's children, but it's also a lie which seeks to cast us in doubt regarding Jesus' divine Sonship. But the truth is this. Jesus truly is the Son of God with whom the Father is well pleased. And that pleasure is so overabundant on account of the obedience of Christ, on account of His heart, which was so consumed with love for him the father and love for us his creatures that when he suffered and died for our sakes as the very son of God that was a suffering and a death and his righteous life was so meritorious that all of this means that our sins as grievous as they are our sins as wrong as they are our sins as corrupt as they are are nothing, absolutely nothing, compared to the righteousness which is available to us through the grace and mercy of God. A grace and mercy overabundantly won for us by the blood of Christ poured out for your sakes. The temptation to doubt that there's any way that you could be God's child on account of your sins is a temptation to devour, to doubt the divine sonship of Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do not doubt that Jesus is God's son, but firmly believe it. Do not question that he is very God, but gladly confess it. And as you confess that he is Jesus, that he is the son of God listen to his word trust his word the word which proclaims you forgiven the word which proclaims you righteous the word which proclaims you to be his brother to be his sister a co-heir with him in his majesty by means of the adoption of faith. For by faith you too become children of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us exult in the light of the mount of transfiguration. A light which exposes the madness of sin, a light which exposes the lies of the devil, and a light which exposes Christ as God's Son, and you as God's children as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.